This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast is brought to you by the new GoPro Hero 12. With high dynamic range, 5.3K and 4K video, upgraded HyperSmooth 6.0 video stabilization, and an industry-leading 177-degree field of view with the Max Lens Mod 2.0, this is a pretty good camera. We've tried the GoPro Hero 12 and the images are stunning, so if you're keen to capture the best of your summer riding, pick yourself up a GoPro Hero 12 and be a hero. Thank you very much, GoPro, for sponsoring this episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast. And welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name's Ray Heron, great to have you along. If this is the first of our podcasts you've ever listened to, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Feel free to give us some feedback on Apple Podcasts if that's the platform you're listening to us on, and come along for the ride. Later in the podcast, we're going to catch up with an old mate, find out what he's been up to over the last few months, big changes in his world. But before we get there, it is time for the top five. And this week, it is the top five best adventure rides in New Zealand that you should ride this summer. And at number five, the top five of best adventure rides that you should ride this summer, it is Danzy's Pass. I did this at the start of this year, and man, it was absolutely beautiful. Very high, though, in the middle, and um, interestingly, it was beautifully gorgeous and sunny on one side and horribly wet from the top all the way down the other. But Danzy's Pass in the South Island just past Twizel, absolute must ride. In at number four of the top five best adventure rides you should do this summer, the 42nd Traverse. Now this one might be a bit tricky because there has been a slip. Uh, I believe there is a, uh, a bypass, but it uh, could be a bit tricky on a big adventure bike. But dual sport and uh, mid-weight adventure bikes should should be able to do it, no worries. The 42nd Traverse uh, in, uh, well, basically between um, National Park and uh, Mount Ruapehu slash Tongariro uh, is a great ride uh, in the North Island. The top five best adventure rides in New Zealand you should ride this summer in at number three, the Molesworth, and it's open right now. You don't need anything fancy. You could do this on a road bike. The Molesworth, it's uh, 80-odd kilometres of gravel, hard-packed when I last did it. Absolute beautiful ride. A few gates to open and lots of places to stop and check it out. Allow, allow yourself a good six to eight hours to do that ride, though. The top five best adventure rides of New Zealand that you should ride this summer in at number two, the Rainbow. Now, this one combos up quite nicely with the Molesworth. The Molesworth basically going from Blenheim down to Hanma Springs and then uh, the Rainbow going from Hanma Springs up to Sananid. Uh, or you can go the other way around but the Rainbow about a step up from the Molesworth. A few more tricky bits uh, and you, you want to be a reasonably experienced rider with the um, a good bit of uh, kit with you. Um, maybe it'd be a good idea to take yourself an EPIRB, but in at number two, the Rainbow Road, and that actually opens this weekend. The top five best adventure rides in New Zealand that you should ride this summer in at number one, if you're in, this, in the South Island and you're anywhere near uh, Nelson, the Mangatapu Road. Uh, that was a 
a bit of a nutbuster when we did it. Very uh, long, craggly uphill sections, but still managed it, no dramas. Um, talk to a local. Uh, there's a Facebook page called Top of the South Adventure Riders. Get on there and find out more information about where that road starts and finishes. But you uh, basically go from Nelson to Polaris Bridge, uh, and it uh, d- definitely deserves the number one place on our top five adventure rides of New Zealand that you should ride this summer. And joining me on the show this week is a, a person we haven't spoken to for most of this year on the podcast, um, one Todd Hesland. G'day, Todd. G'day, Ray. Nice to be back 10 months later. Yeah, last time we talked, we were in Nelson, uh, having just ridden to Molesworth in the Rainbow again. Yeah, now we're a little further apart. Yeah. So, yeah, let's fill the listeners in on that. You uh, you packed up and shipped out to Australia. That's right. Yes, back uh, back home back home so after being away for six years we moved back to sydney um so you've you've your riding buddy has been booted away you've lost your uh, local riding buddy mm, yeah I'm, I'm struggling to find a decent replacement to be fair we are uh, holding a casting call in a what do they call it in in dodgy circles a couch session or something um yeah, we're, we're, we're holding auditions. Um, holding auditions. Excellent. I, I would love to be a, the judge on the wall to um, put people through the paces I, just to make sure they're good enough. I did put on the uh, Wellington Adventure Riders page that my uh, my usual riding buddy is buggered off, so he's dead to me, and I need someone to ride the miles within the rainbow with me over summer. Yeah, it's a bit sad. We've done that every year, haven't we? Um, so we'll, we'll ha- I've written that... I- I've ridden it three times and I've owned the T7 for three years. Wow, you're in a roll. You're going to have to do it again. Actually, that's a lie. We've, we, I've only done it twice because one time we went to do it and we weren't on our bikes and we never got to do it. Really? Was it, I thought we did it another time successfully. No? So no, I'm pretty the, sure I've only the, done Molesworth and Rainbow with you once. Okay, so you've only done it twice then. No, no, no. You did yeah. it on the way. Did you do it on the way back when you did your trip down south? No, I thought about it, but no, I didn't end up doing it. Okay, so you've only done it Um, twice. I have only done it twice, and both times it's been excellent, but both times it's been a, this is so awesome, I don't want to stop riding thing, and I want to go and do it where I've got all the time in the world. Mm, Understandable. So you you want to go with a slower rider? (laughs) No, I I actually kind of, I've been thinking about it, I kind of want to do it on my own and just take as much time as I could possibly take, put the drone up, get the video, take as many photos as possible. But I know what will happen is I'll get halfway through it, get bored and want to get to the end so I can go home again. Cause doing it with, with a mate or two is, is a whole different kettle of fish altogether. It is. And, and I can vouch for that. You definitely will just get a bit, uh, over it and just ride to the end. So I reckon you need to find, you need to go with someone else who creates content, who also wants to stop and fly the drone and everything else. And then you can be pulling each other back. So um, that, that's your call out. You've got to find someone else who is uh, making audio or YouTube or something else on the bike that wants to do the most. So you've buggered off to Australia. Now, when you were here, you had... Tiger seven, uh, Tiger eight hundred. You had uh, the DR six fifty, and you had the wee R fifteen bucket bike. Uh, what have you What have you done with your bikes? So I I shipped the Tiger eight hundred with me. We can talk about that in more detail. 
the DR650 I sold to a nice chap who lived in, um, I think, Masterton, I think it was. I think you uh, you met up with him or you saw him. Um, and then the, the R15, the bucket bike, I sold to another guy who was just getting into bucket racing and he bought that bike for me. And he ended up then subsequently buying another two bucket bikes for his mates so they all could go riding. Um, so as far as I can tell, the two I've sold are getting very well used, which is a really nice feeling. That's what you did wrong. You didn't buy another bucket bike for me. That is true. That is true. I should have done that, but you wouldn't have come. I, I tried to bring you on the track so many times. And uh, I think maybe just the idea of like squeezing into leathers and just being in a big sweaty mess wasn't so appealing to you. I think you prefer to uh, be in your, your MX gear on your T7. Those like uh, the big in- enduro guy. You're right. Those leathers don't hide much. And I do have a bit of a beer gut. <laughs> Well, they, they do make you a nice and slippery fish when you go sliding down the road, so that kind of helps. Um, okay, so two bikes are gone. Tiger 800 still exists. It's been shipped back to Australia. Talk us through the process, because I can't imagine that would be an easy thing. No, it is a bit of a pain, um, and it sort of progressively gets worse until it's done. So the okay, the, the ways of shipping it. So there's, there's two ways of shipping a bike. You have roll-on, roll-off, which is exactly how it sounds. They roll it onto the ship and then they roll it off. And then you also have putting it in a crate, which then goes into a container. So for most people, roll-on, roll-off is what they do. Um, It's a completely normal, great way of of doing it. Um, The reason why I went for a crate in a container was because we were paying for a whole container with all our other household stuff. So... It turned out that if I paid the roll-on, roll-off fees for the bike, and then I also paid separately um, for the shipping out goods, it would have meant that our our household items, to be cost-effective, would have to go into a shared container with other people, and that could have been sitting on the dock for two to three months. Um, So, shipping times kind of vary a lot, but basically the fastest way you can get something over is if you own the whole container, but then you also have to pay for the whole container. So given that we weren't filling the whole container, it made way more sense to put the bike inside of it. So we ended up doing that. Um, that was, uh, I think generally when I was looking at it, quotes were sort of around, th- I'm going to say three to four grand um, roll on roll off, which is sort of the price guide. Um, it, it does vary, but you're looking about that. Um, that's Kiwi dollars um, to, to bring it across. Um, but then when you get here, there's a registration process. So the thing I learned is that the, for, for any vehicle in Australia, you need to have a compliance plate. And in New Zealand, there's no compliance plate. <laughs> it's basically take it out of the factory and put a number plate on it and you're good to go. Um, maybe someone can correct me, but there's like no evidence of any other compliance plate um, on the bike aside from what comes from the factory. In Australia, there's an extra plate that goes on. So I had to give it to a specialist um, import mechanic. Um, and there's only like you know a, a certain number of these in the country. I would say a handful, but it's probably you know uh, 30 in the whole country. Um, and these guys are responsible for doing all the paperwork to get the compliance plate on. Um, and then when you do that, then you can kind of go through the whole normal registration process. Um, but all up, it probably cost me... Um, so let's, let's assume shipping was like two, three grand cause it was kind of a portion of the whole container. Um, I probably also paid another 
two grand on this side for all the compliance and green slip and everything else. That's the CTP insurance um, and everything else on this side, probably another two grand or so. Um, so yeah, an expensive exercise. I think in theory, if you don't love your bike, just sell it and buy another one. But you know, I, I've been elbows deep in that bike so many times. I really wanted to. Fair enough. Uh, you ship it with oil and fuel and pads and everything in it, or was there a strip down procedure? Uh, brake pads. You don't need those. Oh, don't ride with those. Um, oil, yes. Uh, coolant, yes. Fuel as low as possible. So when I dropped the bike off at the place in Seaview in Wellington, um, I had it down. So there's like how many Ks you have like on the, on the dash. I think I got it down to like five Ks left of range, which would have been like less than a liter. It would have been like running on fumes. Were you just riding around around the block trying to get the Ks as low as you could? No, I'm just really, really good at calculating how, uh, <laughs> when to fill up. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I got like right towards the end. I think there was, there might've been a ride I was going to go on. I was like, oh, I, I can't because I don't want to then have to go fill up and do this calculation again. So I, um, yeah, I got it right down and then took it there. And then when I picked it up on the other side, it, um, yeah, it needed fuel straight away because it, it could have run out at any moment. And then just uh, a really mammoth in-depth cleaning session, I assume. Correct. Yeah. So that's a big thing is um, a lot of times um, people won't clean their bike well enough and the uh, quarantine here will actually pick it up and then they will do a fumigation and they'll charge you like a few hundred bucks to fumigate your bike. Um, it's really common with uh, any bike that can kind of get dirty. I mean, all bikes get dirty, but if you if your bike looks like it could go off-road, they're going to like be hunting for uh for dirt so i really cleaned it all over i even went inside under the seat in uh where the battery is where the um uh sort of electronics are um just because it's it gets so dusty in there like when we did the Molesworth, you just get all that dust around like under the seat and, and around the batteries and electronics well y- you did well y- yeah that's right because i was behind you um and then like you don't you never clean in there because like it's really hard to clean and maybe you can get a, like a compressor or something but it's just like that kind of it's kind of oily in there and then also like the dust sticks and it's just a pain like you know trying to clean around your fuse box is just annoying but i i did that because i knew that they probably would just open the seat up and have a look underneath and if they saw it was dirty i would have been flagged i also took off my bash plate um because when the bash plate is on you can't actually see under the engine so my suspicion was that if they couldn't inspect under the bash plate or sorry between the bash plate and the engine they might have just like said no it's dirty we're going to do it um but all in all i didn't get fumigated so um they inspected the bike they said it was good and um that was fantastic so um yeah i did a good enough job to kind of get through that but you know it's they, they say that, like you have to really, really pay a lot of attention. I did what I thought was good enough, and I was still like really anxious that it wasn't enough. But it turns out maybe maybe the standard of what they receive is is much lower. Cool. So the the Tiger Eight Hundred is on Australian soil. Uh, have you done much riding since you've had it legal? How how long have you had it legal for? Uh, well, I think only about. Um, maybe six weeks or so, um, six to eight weeks. Um, it, it's pretty recent cause I've, I've, we've only been here for two and a half months now. Uh, and, and our, our stuff arrived a good four weeks after we, we did, um, I mean six weeks, but yeah, so I, I've only really had one good ride. So, um, my, my dad, um, lives uh, two hours South of me. I'm, I'm in Sydney. He's two hours South. So I rode down there and we rode, um, sort of in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. 
Um, and, and that was actually really good. So there's a place called um, Wombian Caves um, and we kind of rode out that way. Um, and it's kind of really interesting because I, I've been riding the Vistrum here, right? So my experience of these roads and, and this sort of terrain has all been Vistrum based. Um, and then I get on the Tiger and it's, it's kind of hilarious, like how much better the tiger is. Um, like it's just like faster and it handles the bumps better and like it's got more traction and, um, yeah, it just made it, it made it really easy to do that sort of riding. So, um, I've done one big ride and then I've done a couple of city rides, um, just when I've been riding around the city, uh, which has been nice because I haven't, um, I've never ridden the tiger in the city. I actually realized that because, you know, Wellington isn't really a city, right? Like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a big town, but um, not like Sydney. And it was really weird being in like a very urban environment with the Tiger because it was just like completely foreign. I've never done that before on that bike. Um, but yeah, you know, super, super fun being a hoon around. The so city. that's right. Because, of course, you had the uh, Tiger, not the Tiger, the V-Strom in Australia, which you had before you came over here, right? Um, but that's now gone. It is gone. I sold that as well um, only a month ago. Um, so yeah, the, the, this year has been buying and selling bikes. It has been ridiculous. Um, I don't like selling bikes. It's so stressful. Like, it's just like so much admin and like, it feels like you don't even, all you get at the other end is you get to go and buy another bike, which is, which is the fun part, <laughs> but like, it's, uh, yeah, it's so much admin. So I did sell the V-Strom. Um, to a, a, a guy who I, I'm trying to remember what he was on. I think it was like a, a might be a cruiser sort of bike and a, a few years back he crashed it he like on the road and he hasn't been riding since he kind of hurt his ankle or something so he's getting back into riding and uh the v-strom is a was a 2009 um so the the v the 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 V twin at its kind of peak and I had a Delkovic exhaust on it. So that one, uh, didn't come out with a cat converter. So it's basically a full system Delkovic, um, exhaust. And it just sounds mad. Like it's, Seriously, it like brings the, the biggest smile to anyone's face. You know, you, you, you pop it down a gear and you get like the little backfires and pops and stuff like that. It's just, it's the maddest sound ever. And when the guy came to um, inspect, I'm like, dude, just ride around the block. And he came back with the biggest smile on his face. He's like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> and I was like, it's because it's how it sounds, right? And he goes, yeah, <laughs> such a good bike. Um, so... Uh, I was actually really sad to see that go. Like I sold that bike and for the first time, like when I gave him the keys and kind of walked away, I looked back at my shoulder. I, I like genuinely felt really sad because that bike's been like my bike since uh, 2013, 14. Um, I've just had it sitting there always, always true and faithful to be ready for me to like turn it over and go for a ride. Um, yeah, sad to see it go. So you basically took your puppy to the uh, to the farm and uh, left it there and walked away. Yeah, yeah. It's like putting. Your, put, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying your, to make see, you feel bad. Putting putting <laughs> your horse out to pasture, the one that you ride every day, and you're just putting it out and be like, all right, you just go. Right, you you go be free now. I'm going to ignore you. Um, yeah. Right. So, uh, but, but it's all been for a good reason. Now, you, you were doing a lot of track stuff here with, uh, is it Total Track Bike Hire? Um, 
uh, forgotten the guy's name, uh, Cheppy. Um, you were doing, you were basically his number one customer. Uh, you were doing. I was bankrolling the business from just uh, rentals. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, with Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, you, did you ride both of them or did you just have one? I only rode Bonnie. Um, so Bonnie was the, the tricked out race version um, of, of, of the two and Clyde was a bit. A bit more stock, you know, set, set up for the track, but basically stock. So I only rode, rode Bonnie, but he's got he's got another one now. He's got um, uh, Ninja Four Hundred. No, 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 no. So he's got um, Frank. Frank is another Ninja Three Hundred. So apparently, right. in in the whole Bonnie and Clyde story, Frank is like the sheriff who brought them in. So there you go. Um, so he's got uh-huh. Bonnie, Clyde, and Frank. Frank is very similar to Clyde in like kind of <clears throat> reasonably stock. But he has a Ninja Four ZX Four RR, I think it is. You know the four yeah. cylinder four uh, four hundred. Yeah. So he's got that one, which is kind of his bike. And I've been saying to him, "Man, do you really want to rent this out? Like, this is a nice piece of kit. Like, someone's gonna trash it." <laughs> but um, we'll see. We'll see if he rents it out. Uh, but where I'm going with this uh, this thought train? Oh, sorry. Um, no, 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 it's good. It's good. It's good to get all the information in there. Um, you've you've made another purchase. Yes, I have. Now this is you are you are the the one person I know that is a hundred percent into MotoGP. You're it was actually knowing what you're into in bikes. It's surprising that you do adventure and and the, and you know dirt stuff. You know it's 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 a bit weird because you're you're so heavily into racing and track stuff. Yet you ride a tiger. But anyway, you've bought you've bought a track bike. I have, yeah. So I I was always going to get a small bike. Um. Because the tracks here are so the, the Sydney Motorsport Park. I, I live very close to, like twenty five minutes away, which is lovely. You know, I, I was closest to Manfield in in New Zealand, and that was like two hours away. So you know, track days were big, long days, and I typically would go up and back in the same day. So it's four hours of driving and you know, the whole down track. Um, and even Kaitoki, when I was doing bucket racing, it was like 45 minutes away. So it's, it's just a, a treasure to be 25 minutes from Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, but it's kind of the only really big track that's close. There's a couple of other tracks that are, are smaller. And also Sydney Motorsport Park has a south circuit, which is smaller. So I, I sort of thought about this. If I got a bigger bike, like a 600 or 1,000, you really only have like one place close where it's fun to ride. Otherwise I'm heading to like Queensland, Victoria, you know, Phillip Island or you know, Adelaide. Um, like I, I got to travel a long way to enjoy the fruits of a thousand CC motorcycle because small tracks with like a big bike, it's just really annoying. Like you basically first and second gear the whole way. So I, I, I made a calculated decision. I'm going to get a smaller bike. And then it was a question of which one. So there's a few in this category. There's the KTM RC 390. There's the Ninja 400. There's the older Ninja 300 that I was riding in New Zealand, and the R3. That's basically what choices you have. Um, I was pretty open to what it was, and I found a really good Ninja 400 that was in Adelaide that I I was very close to buying. It was six and a half grand. It was fully track prepped. It was it was good to go. It would have cost me a thousand bucks to get it here though, because it's a long way away. Um, and then I was contrasting that with the Ninja 300 that was in Brisbane. That was cheaper. I think it was only about 
450 bucks or 500 bucks to, to get it here. Um, <clears throat> not so fast as in compared to the 400, the 300 is going to be slower, but it was really well prepped as in it had the, um, the power commander on it. it had, I have a, a set of rims, an extra set of rims with wets on it and another rear rim with just another um, Pirelli on it. Um, it has uh, a really high class shock, like a fifteen hundred dollar shock in the in the rear end. Um, there's a bunch of other engine mods, like uh, it's a, a, a gear, a transmission sort of mod that stops you getting to false neutrals, and a bunch of other things. And I basically said, like, I want to go with that. Oh yeah, it comes with, it comes with the generator and tire warmers, and like yeah, just heaps of extra stuff. And I, and I thought like that one was going to be four grand. So like four grand for a bike that's all set up with everything else. The only thing I got to kind of suck up is I'm going to be a bit slow because I'm on a 300 compared to the 400. And I thought that's an okay deal for me because like I don't like I don't care. Like the the funnest part of going on a racetrack is like going around corners fast. Um, when you're on a on when you're on the straight, like going on a 300 or 400, like you're still going to be blitzed by all the thousands. It doesn't really matter. Um, but like a really well set up 300 can, can still hoon around the corners. So um, I know the chassis and everything's a little bit different, but I decided to save a few grand, get the 300, be a bit slower, but kind of just be like, pay the money and have everything ready to go. There's nothing to buy. So that's what I got. Ninja 300. Nice. Uh, and when's the first track day? It is in four days time, no, Saturday. Um, so depending on when this is coming out, uh, I probably would have already done it. Um, but yeah, only four days away from here. Um, I honestly have only started the bike and ridden it around the block. Um, so I have no idea. You, you mean ahem, haven't, haven't ridden it. Ahem, ahem. <laughs> I don't believe the Australian police listen to your podcast, Ray. So I think it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's a Kiwi rider podcast. Not the uh, New South Wales Police Rider podcast. Um, so they'll be okay. They'll be okay. Um, yeah. It, t- although, to be fair, that was on like a double demerits weekend. So I really didn't want to lose my license. But, you know, when you get a new bike, you really want Absolutely. to ride it. Uh, one thing unrelated to kind of the train that we're going down now. Uh, are police over the year stricter? Are they harder? Uh, watching the police shows on TV, they seem a lot angrier. <laughs> It's because it's a TV show and that makes good TV content. Um, uh, it depends who you are. Um, unfortunately, it depends who you are. Um, in general, I think so. I think the police in, in New Zealand are a little more laid back. Um, uh, anecdotally, anyway. Um, that I, I think what is objectively true is that uh, fines here are ridiculous. They're like 10 times what you get in New Zealand. So like a minimum fine is like two, 300 bucks um, for doing like five Ks over. And then if you're doing like 45 Ks over, it's like a couple of grand um, and you lose your license and stuff. So like the fines here are are really high and then, you know, just regular parking fines on the street are also really high. So um, whether, whether police are lenient or not, that's a little subjective, but um, objectively, you pay a lot more if you do the wrong thing here. So um, my, my view is um, go to the track and you can do whatever whatever you want, really. Absolutely. Todd, thank you so much for your time joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. I came over and saw you uh, on a non-motorcycle-related um, excursion a few weeks ago, but I think, and we've been talking about it, it's time that I come over and actually ride a bike over there, I think. I think it is. We can uh, show you some uh, Australian soil. 
uh, immerse you amongst something that you will discover to be called bull dust, which you may find when you're laying on the side of the road. But I'll tell you about that after it happens. <laughs> Kiwi Rider Podcast goes Australian. Australian Rider Podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for um, sharing everything on uh, on the show with us. Really appreciate that. And um, we will catch up with you in the future. Awesome, mate. Good to chat. And that about wraps up the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate your support of this podcast. If you want to give us a rating or review, we would really appreciate that. Hit the like button or the subscribe button. They both work quite nicely as well. Share this podcast with a writing buddy of yours. If you like it, there's a good chance your mates are going to like it. And um, yeah, love to have your feedback. You can get hold of us. Uh, New email address. T7AdventuresNZ at gmail.com is how you get hold of me. Check out the website uh, kiwirider.co.nz that's the website you can check out the latest magazine. Kiwi Rider magazine is a magazine, it's a digital magazine, comes out twice a month, absolutely free and jam-packed full of content all about motorcycles that you should enjoy. Check it out at kiwirider.co.nz my website motonz.com and the YouTube channel MotoNZ on YouTube with a new video every week and a bit of a mini-series, a few extra episodes this week, uh, getting the first Warrant of Fitness on the Tenere 700. Otherwise, I've been Ray, this is Kiwi Rider Podcast, thank you so much for listening, keep the rubber side down throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast is brought to you by the new GoPro Hero 12. With high dynamic range, 5.3K and 4K video, upgraded HyperSmooth 6.0 video stabilization, and an industry-leading 177-degree field of view with the Max Lens Mod 2.0, this is a pretty good camera. We've tried the GoPro Hero 12 and the images are stunning, so if you're keen to capture the best of your summer riding, Pick yourself up a GoPro Hero 12 and be a hero. Thank you very much, GoPro, for sponsoring this episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast.